Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the Palestinians and Israel, President Trump's Middle East peace plan, and Frank Gaffney's joining me, and the GOP treacherous trio on the impeachment. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. In the next segment, we're going to be speaking with Frank Gaffney, the founder of the Center for Security Policy, about the Middle East peace plan that President Trump has unveiled. I want to spend the first five hitting three or four top level points to understand, to get a picture of Israel and a picture of what the dispute is all about. So I want to start with the idea, and this is a, something that is so helpful to remind yourself and tell your friends and look at the links I put up at americacanwetalk.org to understand a few realities. Number one, there is no such thing as the Palestinian people. That is a myth. That is a actually a manipulatively used term to cause sympathy for people caught up in the struggle within Israel. But I want to tell you why I say that. I don't. There are people living in Israel in the or living in the uh, Gaza Strip area, living in what the Israelis refer to as Judea and Samaria, what the Palestinians call the West Bank. People living there, but they are not people of a common heritage called Palestinian in the same way as Italians or Greeks or Norwegians. There is not that. Uh, there is not any of that connection, historical ethnic connection. And I want to just tell you a, a little bit of detail why I say that and why it matters so much. Often, when we look at the Palestinian, the ongoing battles between Gaza, sending rockets over to Israel. There's a perception that these are just a people trying to reclaim their land. Let me read to you a statement. This is from the Hamas Minister of the Interior and of National Security, Fatih Hamad, speaking on Al Hekma TV in March of 2012. This is a the Hamas leader by the Hamas, by the way, runs controls Gaza. Hamas leader, brothers, half of the Palestinians are Egyptians, the other half are Saudis. Who are the Palestinians? We have many families called Al-Masri, whose roots are Egyptian. Egyptian. This may be, they may be from Alexandria, from Cairo, from the north, from Aswan, from Upper Egypt. We are Egyptians. There's a reason why the Palestinian National Museum is empty of historical artifacts, making the point that the, palace, the term Palestinian does not refer to a, an ethnic group as you would if you're referring to people who are, as I say, pick your nationality. The Palestinian is a conjecture, a, a created term. And the reason it matters is because the term is used to manipulate thought about whether or not these people have a right to this land. But it's not a people. That's number one. No such thing as a Palestinian uh, people. Next, there was a statement by his, a, a, an uh, Arab historian, Abi, um, Abad al-Ghani, admitted on official Palestinian Authority Television, November 1st, 2019, makes a long statement basically saying the same thing. The, pa the people being called the Palestinians are not a people. More importantly, in fact, and to, to really get to this point of why this matters and understanding the conflict in Israel, the term Palestine 
was not created to be the land of the Palestinian people like Italians have the land of Italy. The term Palestinian was actually created millennia ago, very quickly. Roman conquerors destroyed, now let me back off from even that, the Bible times. So Jesus, we start Jesus, we start the, you know, the calendar over. So, but 2,000 years before Jesus, the Jewish people were in this area of the world we now call the state of Israel. We have the Jewish history and the stories of the Bible dating back till then, you know, 2,000 years before Christ. Then we have in the year 70, so set the year 7070 after uh, Jesus was on earth, um, you have the Roman conquerors destroyed the Holy Temple in the year 70. Romans drove the remaining Jews out of Israel in the year 135 to extinguish the Jewish bond from the land for all forthcoming eternity to prevent yet another Jewish return to Israel from exile as had happened only 70 years earlier after the Babylonian expulsion in 586 BC the Romans changed the very name of the land to identify it with the pagan biblical peoples. They changed it to the word Philistines. Understand this word Palestine has been used to manipulate sympathy and generate a false perception that the Palestinians in the middle of this conflict with Israel today have been in this land for a long time and have an ethnic commonality. They don't. There's also Hamas that controls the Gaza Strip. Basically, this is my other big point I want to make. Two other points, and we'll get to our wonderful friend Frank Gaffney. One is, when you hear about violence in the UK, in Western Europe, you hear about jihad. We've talked about in our show many times, jihad is violence committed in the name of Islam to spread to spread Islam by force. It is compelled or required by the Quran, by the teachings of Islam. Devout Muslims are supposed to spread Islam via jihad. So you hear the term jihad. When we hear about violence in Israel, we think, oh, this is the Palestinian Jewish conflict over land. But on the Gaza Strip, which is the on the west side of Israel, you've seen a moment on the maps, Gaza Strip, uh, 99% of the people living in the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians so-called, are Muslim, 99%. In the other concentrated area of Arabs in Israel who are not part of the Jewish state, in the West Bank or Judea, Samaria, 85% are Muslim. You need to think of the rockets being launched from the Gaza and the attacks committed on Jews from Gaza and from the West Bank. Think of it as jihad. It is action taken in the furtherance of the goals of Islam. And Hamas has not denounced these goals. It runs Gaza Strip. Neither have the Palestinian or the PLO, which plays around with words, but they have it. Now to the maps. Matt the Wonderful has some maps. And I want to show you why this matters in this conversation. Matt, if you can bring up the first map, which is the Middle East. The um, I called it Clip 1, the Middle East. And I don't know how well you can see that picture. If you're just staring at that picture on your screen, and you see uh, in the very center of it, there's a large body of land, that's Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, and then you look up kind of toward the top left, you can see the Mediterranean Sea, you can see Israel, a tiny little dot. Israel, slightly larger than the state of New Jersey. Israel surrounded by Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, all Muslim countries. Israel, the state of Israel, is surrounded by Muslim-majority countries. 
who to varying degrees are committed to the teachings of Islam, which include the determination to extinguish the Jewish people, to kill people because they are Jewish. Not all those states carry out jihad every day, but they're a Muslim majority, and that is the land, that is the geography surrounding Israel. And second map, honing in on just Israel, this is clip two, just to see Israel. Now this map, they, they've made these colors a little bit too close, but you can see at the top left of the map, you have the Mediterranean Sea, and then you see the kind of orangish country, that is Israel, that's Israel, and if you see within, so that to the right of that, to the right of Israel, more brown, you can see Jordan, but the Israel part, you see the gray area, that is a large gray area that is near the, has that, you see the blue, the Dead Sea in there, but you see the large area of Israel that is in gray in this map is what the Palestinians call the West Bank. They're referring to the West Bank of Jordan, but what Israelis refer to as Judea and Samaria. And then you see still in that orange state of Israel in this map, at the, if you look toward the bottom left of the country of Israel, that tiny little gray strip, that is Gaza. So in this entire country that's orange in the map, the gray parts are already controlled by the Palestinians in varying degrees. That is the country of Israel. That's a battle we have, again, surrounded by Muslim-majority countries um, and having those very large areas in their own borders controlled by the Palestinians. Last map, this is what President Trump wants to bring. It's in the proposal he has. This is, again, the country of Israel, President Trump's tweet. This is what a future state of Palestine can look like with a capital in parts of East Jerusalem. So on this map, Israel is obviously the brown color, and you have that grayish-blue. So again, the grayish-blue, the larger area, is what is called the West Bank or Judea and Samaria. And then you can see at that bottom left, you can see the Gaza Strip. But what you, I don't know if you can tell on this map, if, if Matt can enlarge it, but between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, there is now a line, a connection. And this map is showing what President Trump is suggesting might be a West Bank to Gaza tunnel. That is in the proposal by President Trump is maybe connecting these two Palestinian areas to become a Palestinian state connected by a tunnel. Now, folks, I went longer than first five. I'm sorry. I wanted to lay that as the groundwork. So, my friends, I'm wrapping up today's first five. And it's important to keep those facts in mind as we turn to have our guest joining us, Frank Gaffney. He is the founder of the Center for Security Policy. He is uh, on the phone with us, I do believe. We have Frank Gaffney available to talk to. They found the Center for Security Policy is an extraordinary organization, does so much good in America, in Washington, and in, in, in the world, and states around the country bringing security concerns to the uh, attention of American officials, to the American people. Very, very uh, just prominent national organization, very tuned in to the dangers and, and issues in the Middle East. So, and I believe we have Frank Gaffney, the founder of Center for Security Policy online. Well, there's his face anyway. Hi, Frank. Hi, Debbie. It's good to be with you, and thank you for that uh, first 11, because <laughs> I think it was really important, uh, you know, groundwork, as you say, to the conversation I'm looking forward to having with you. Well, I'm just so glad you were available to talk today, and I, I did want to lay that groundwork for our listeners, because if you just read headlines, you have a misperception about all that's happening in Israel, including, you know, we didn't even get into the previous efforts of previous American presidents to come up with a Middle East peace plan, which have, of course, tried and failed. And I'm not saying necessarily that we're going to, you know, find the, the all-out solution in this new plan, but at least President Trump is bringing forward 
a peace plan for the Middle East. So I just love open-ended question. Tell me what you, uh, your perception is, what, what the basic tenets of this new peace plan of President Trump include, and what is your sense about it? What's your uh, view of it? Well, as you know, Debbie, I, I do a radio show, too. And I have been having a conversation today with Robert Spencer, who I know you know, mm-hmm. who is a, a remarkable resource and uh, the author of 19 books, uh, count of 19, the most recent of which is entitled The Palestinian Delusion, The Catastrophic History of the Middle East Peace Process. And to your question, I, I think what Donald Trump is trying to do is, as he does so often, uh, break the mold, not to repeat the mistakes that have brought us such grief in the past, uh, it proved so counterproductive, to cost us, you know, in lives as well as national treasure, but to, you know, start with essentially a fresh slate. He's a transactional kind of guy, and we all understand that about him, and I think what he is envisioned as a different approach to the Palestinians is to make them an offer they can't refuse. Namely, that they will get a Palestinian state, at least the immediate prospect of one, and over time it will be realized with, among other things, you know, tunnels to make it contiguous and all that. And $50 billion dollars let's be with a boy boy oh boy 50 billion dollars <laughs> yeah. to enable them to you know build this state and to enjoy a unknown level of prosperity and quality of life and and security and he's simply asking that they no kidding, recognize the state of Israel. Uh, they agree to live side by side in peace with it. Um, they will get more territory than they currently have if they do it. But there will be certain things that will be, you know, facts that on the ground, as they say, that they're probably not going to be all that happy about. Well, the first one, and most fundamental, of course, is that Israel will continue to exist. That's kind of not their program. But that would be one of the things, uh, that Israel's capital, Jerusalem, would remain unified and would be only Israel's capital, not the capital as well of this Palestinian state. Um, And that Israel would maintain sovereign control over the strategic Jordan Valley that's up there on that map uh, uh, close by uh, the frontier of Israel with Jordan, Um, that high ground vital for the defense of Israel and something that could not be turned over to a Palestinian state under any circumstances, I believe. So those are the things that um, I think are sort of the essential elements of the deal. Thus far, as you know, the Palestinians have not only said no, but hell no uh, to this kind of bargain. Um, They have, uh, in the person of Mahmoud Abbas, the uh, the putative, you know, partner for peace for Israel, uh, denounced the deal, um, uh, defamed President Trump, refused mm-hmm. to take a phone call from him, and on and on. And the the Palestinian jihadists of, um, of Hamas fame uh, and the like are even more virulent. And, and Tsar 
uh, the Islamic State guys, by the way. These are all now fulminating. They've come together in opposition to this deal, claiming that they will engage in, you know, violent jihad to destroy Israel uh, rather than be part of this uh, arrangement. So at the moment, um, I think it's uh, dead on arrival. Um, it may have some future prospects, but uh, they're not very promising at the moment. And it's just as well, honestly, because in the absence of a will on the part of the Palestinians genuinely to live peacefully with Israel, there won't be peace. It's a simple bottom line. You know, it's amazing you mentioned that book, Frank, uh, because I actually have it here. I was going to show it to her. I, I thought I'm I thought I might have gone over my first five and called her ten, so I cut it out. But a I little. Wanted, just a little. I'll show our listeners. This is the book uh, that Frank Gaffney is referring to, and I really do encourage you, if you want to understand in depth the history of the uh, negotiations, the parties, the efforts in the Middle East, the book, again, is by Robert Spencer, The Palestinian Delusion, The Catastrophic History of the Middle East Peace Process. I have to tell you, so if, if you really want to dive in, it's great to, to learn, uh, read that. But, you know, I was thinking, you mentioned when you were starting your remarks, Frank, how this is seems similar to the kinds of things that the President Trump has done in other contexts. He's really, the term isn't quite calling their bluff, but it's he's really forcing the leaders uh, of the, Pal, you know, Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian people, which don't really exist, but the Palestinians in Israel, he's forcing them to basically say, even given money and a real state and and i believe he also offered an embassy and there and, and uh, president trump did as part of the deal eventually if we have a two-state solution he's kind of president trump is kind of showing the world the problem that's been the problem since the start the palestinians do not want peace with israel they can't accept it they would they just cannot let go of their determination to destroy israel yeah this is true, unfortunately, not just of the Palestinians. This is true of all of the Muslims who embrace what I think is best defined as Sharia supremacism. It teaches that you should hate the Jews. It teaches that you must force them to submit or, or simply kill them. Um, you certainly are not going to uh, recognize that they have control over territory that once was Muslim. That's that's just not on under Sharia. Anything that has been consecrated to Islam, been occupied by Muslims, is under Sharia, um, forever theirs. So all of this is anathema to those who, like the leaders of the Palestinian uh, people, for want of a better term, community, um, are, you know, dead yeah. set as the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization Charter has made clear, as Hamas's charter makes clear, uh, that they will destroy the Jewish state from the river to the sea, as they say, the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, they will remove all Jews. And here's the bottom line for me, Debbie, is that uh, that may not be the view of a lot of Palestinians. I have a feeling it's not. I think that probably there are considerable numbers of Palestinians who would take the money in a minute and the opportunity to lead a decent life and to have, you know, a, a sovereign nation of their own, more or less. But they don't have any power. Uh, they don't have any following to speak of. They certainly don't have any prominent leaders. And they don't have any security, perhaps most importantly. And therefore, 
if they stick their head above the parapet, if they actually started, you know, promoting this idea, um, they're likely to wind up dead uh, and their families and, you know, their homes and so on destroyed. So this is the trouble. We are dealing with enemies of not only Israel, but the United States, who have effectively absolute control over people who may or may not agree with their rejectionism, but rejectionism is going to be the state of affairs, I think, for the foreseeable future. So I concur with all of that. In fact, I was trying to think of the gentleman's name while we were speaking. A few years ago, we had a uh, someone on this show who actually lives in the West Bank or lives in Samaria, and he's a lawyer and he was he's uh, he's an Israeli uh, and was talking about the um, elections in Gaza and how the people of Gaza it seems like the Palestinian community living in Gaza chose a Hamas leader and that was taken as a signal by some that well they really are then on board with this constant assault of Israel they are on board with the destruction of Israel but even then that most recent election in Gaza this lawyer from West Bank was saying this I mean Jewish Israeli lawyer whose job it was actually to prosecute terrorism there but he was saying they that really they had no good choice on their ballot and they weren't there many Palestinians were begrudgingly supporting the Hamas so I, I do think and, and I I feel for those people because I do think people in, in the in the Gaza Strip area, in Judea and Samaria, or the West Bank, whatever you want to call it, there are many of them that do want to just live their lives, and they are not able to do that because of the tenacity, the determination of the leaders of Hamas and PLO to say, no, we're just we're going to stick with our, our, our radical version, our Sharia supremacism, our jihad. We're never going to let it go. But at least I think, I, I, mean, I, I want to get at what you think Trump will, President Trump will gain by having proposed this, but I at least think he may have gained the, um, some communication to those people. You know, America is trying to help you here. We, we, you see that you don't want to live under this. You would like a better life, but your leaders won't let you. I wonder if he's working a little wedge between some of the Palestinians in Gaza and, and the West Bank between them and their leaders. What do you think about that? Well, that's one possible explanation for it. I think another is, as you said earlier, Debbie, simply to demonstrate uh, that the problem fundamentally is the Palestinians, that they, they can't accept yes. Uh, they can't take uh, a, a very attractive deal, far more attractive than, frankly, I think is warranted. But there it is. He's trying to exhaust the possibilities of uh, some sort of negotiated settlement because at the end of the day one party does not want that period and as long as that's the case I think what he's bought himself hopefully is an opportunity not to persist as his predecessors did endlessly in the notion that the most important factor in the entire Middle East is whether the Palestinians will agree to make peace with the Israelis. Uh, for most of the other people and countries in the Middle East, um, they honestly don't give a fig about the Palestinians. Um, they, they, they actually, more often than not, uh, perhaps they'll exploit them, uh, and certainly have as a, as a political issue, but uh, they have great contempt for them, disdain uh, and disregard. So. 
um, the world has moved on effectively, and it seems to me that where we are at the moment is we have a a a a situation on the ground where the Palestinian people uh, who are happiest and most um, you know uh, secure and living uh, the highest quality of life are Palestinians who live in Israel yes and despite all of these claims about an apartheid state and so on they know full well that it's a lot better on that side of the line than it is being a Palestinian in these communities not because they are being occupied or oppressed by the Israelis, but because they're being oppressed by and brutalized by their own so-called leaders. And by the way, I just have to say, I can't even remember when Mahmoud Abbas last had actually any kind of standing as a leader of the Palestinians. He, he was elected, whatever it was, 10, 12 more years ago, perhaps, and he certainly has long since uh, run out of whatever mandate he had electorally. He just yep. continues to hold on to power. And to say nothing of what uh, the people uh, of Gaza are subjected to by Hamas. So it is, it is a deplorable situation. I think the president is right to want to try to make it better, but you can only do so much especially if you're determined, as he is, and rightly so, not to endanger our most important ally in the Middle East, a nation that shares our values and that is a very important bulwark in our own defense in that dangerous part of the world. Absolutely. Love all those points. I'm going to hit three quick things. One is, in Israel, I mentioned this on the show before, but in Israel, they're the parallel of our Congress is their Knesset, their elected body. There are members of the Knesset who are Arab Muslims and people. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So members we, of the Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah. So they have in Israel an actual a country much more like ours in America, where where everyone's allowed and everyone's welcome and everyone can participate in government and run for office. So Israel has that, uh, which is really to its great credit. Second point is. Often when there is discussion about the tension between the Palestinians and the Israelis, there's the argument, well, it has to do with territory. If Israel would just cede this ter territory, give this territory, the whole, they're only sending rockets over or attacking other ways because of territorial disputes. I think their rejection, if they do actually reject this peace offer, their rejection is a great signal. We don't have to keep pretending that all of this violence can be solved by simply capitulating or giving a little bit more territory. But the last point that I think, and I would love to hear your thought about this is, I think also once we, if the answer comes, as it seems that it will, we're not going to go along with this deal, no thanks to the whole peace deal. I think it gives President Trump a little more leeway to be stronger in his support of Israel, his standing by Israel as they are in response to attacks from the Gaza, from the West Bank, because he's shown the world they don't want peace. I think it will embolden, it will enable President Trump even bolder in standing with Israel. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I hope so. Uh, and he's, look, he has been very bold on behalf of Israel. He, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, he uh, recognized um, Israel's annexation of the Golan Heights. 
Uh, he has declared that uh, these uh, settlements in disputed territories, uh, whether you call them Judea and Samaria, you call them the West Bank, they are disputed territories. It's not occupied. It's disputed territories are actually legal, not illegal, as previous administrations have claimed. But Debbie, just one clarification. It is about the territory. Excuse it's me, it, not, it is it's what? Just not, it's just not about the territory. It's, it, it, this fight that the Palestinians are having with the Israelis interminably is about the territory. It's not, though, the the territory of the West Bank or of the Gaza Strip or, you know, the, the various settlements and all the rest. It's about the territory that Israel... Yeah, it's is the whole on, country. And yeah. that Israel has always had a, a connection to. Uh, as you said, uh, long before uh, there was a gleam in the eye of the narrative crafters that there was a Palestinian people, there was a Jewish presence in an attachment to and claim to, they say from God, the land of Israel. Right. And that is the thing that is unacceptable to these Sharia supremacists um, of various stripes in the Palestinian community. And there will not be peace, except of the kind that there is now, which is pretty comprehensive. But that's because Israel is secure, and it must remain so. And that's the best we can hope for, I think, for the foreseeable future. Frank Gaffney, I am so glad. I know you're traveling and busy. I'm so glad you had time to join us today. Appreciate that so much. <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners. Tons of information always on their website. You can go to centerforsecuritypolicy.org or much easier, securefreedom.org. They have fabulous papers, endlessly new bits of information coming out, papers, just information anyone concerned about the security of America would just love to read. So, Frank, thanks so very much. My pleasure, Dan. See you soon. Thank you. Okay, see you soon. Okay, thank you. So, folks, I got to tell you, I, I really hope that what we were talking about, not this that you feel a little bit more informed about the Middle East if you weren't into this issue, but that you feel inspired to talk with your friends about it. Because I'm telling you what I was saying in the first five today, what you were hearing from Frank Gaffney, there's so much misinformation, or really the more precise term, accurate term is really disinformation put out by the media in this country, left-wing media, left-wingers around the world, trying to falsely paint a picture that the Palestinian people are a uh, people who've been in this land for millennia, that the Jews took it from them, that they, they are a united, uh, have national identity, they have, a, they have a, you know, they are the same in terms of their um, ethnicity and their roots. These are people who are living in various areas of Israel who adhere largely to the teachings of Islam and the, and the notion that they are compelled to, as Islam spe uh, teaches, as the Quran teaches, as Islamic schools around the world teach, as Muhammad, the founder of Islam, taught, devout Muslims are instructed, compelled to bring about, to kill Jews, to hate Jews, to never make alliances with them, to never live in peace with them. That is what people learn in Islam. This is what is motivating the attacks from the Gaza, the attacks from the West Bank. And to understand that history, understand that this is the land the Jews had since 2,000 years before Christ and at the time of Christ, and that it was 600 years after Christ before the concept of Islam even came, you know, came to being when Muhammad discovered uh, Islam and, and claimed he had a revelation uh, from God, or from Allah, to create a new religion. 
This area that's in dispute has long been in the hands of and, and lived upon and, and you know, been the, for millennia the land of the Jewish people. And as President Trump goes forward, and I think all the things that Frank Gaffney was saying are, is uh, correct, I think as President Trump is really, he's giving the, the, uh, Israel, the Israelis, you know, the, it's a tough deal for them to, to agree that this, they're going to make a connection and a real Palestinian state. But this two-state solution, Israel exists and a Palestinian state exists, and they all get along, cannot come about until the Palestinian people, the charter of Hamas, the uh, PLO's charter, drops from their founding documents their commitment to destroy Israel. You can't have a two-state solution if one of the two states is committed to destroying the other state. No two-state solution can exist because of the commitment of the Palestinians to destroy Israel. So this is an effort. President Trump's making it. You know, we'll see how what reaction finally comes out of the uh, of the Palestinians. There's obviously talk already that they're going to reject it instantly. But I think it is a really helpful thing that more and more people in the world understand some of the facts, the, the ancient facts and the ancient issues that got us to where we are today in 2020, trying to still resolve Middle East peace. You know, it's, it's kind of maybe one of the problems that will exist for all, all of time. I don't want it to be. I'd like there to be a solution. But I think this was a bold move by President Trump to give something that the Israelis have always said that can't work, offer the two-state solution, but in exchange, Palestinians have to agree that Israel has a right to exist, they'll stop attacking them, and then they can have their two-state solution. You know, it's not gonna go anywhere, but it is a great opportunity for everyone who cares about Israel, and really who cares about world peace, to understand more and more of what is, what has caused the situation to fester since uh, time began. Last topic I want to hit today, this uh, changing the topic entirely, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in the impeachment. You know, we have the um, Senate trial ongoing and we have President Trump uh, on, the, on trial being uh, in the impeachment trial in the Senate. And I just want to make a couple quick points. I thought about it, you know, yesterday I think we closed the show, I was saying I hope that the GOP majority in the Senate can just find it, get their strength together, and just and vote to acquit. Move on. Don't call witnesses. Get it over with. But it appears, uh, as of comments from last night, it appears that, that uh, we c- the GOP cannot get to that decision. Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, announced last night he does not have the votes to simply move to a vote to acquit, acquit the president, that he's going to have to permit the calling of some witnesses. So I want to hit a couple points about that. Number one, if there really is a determination by Mitt Romney, I mean, it is the usual, I call this treacherous trio. You probably already know who that is, but Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, forever a thorn in President Trump's side. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, the inherently always reliably unreliable, not really with the Republicans, always undermining the Republicans, always on the edge of taking the side of the Democrats. Same with Susan Collins of Maine, just predictably unreliably, not with the Republicans. These three, this treacherous trio, are apparently going to force witnesses. If we have to get to witnesses, I I cannot tell you how important it is if they're going to call John Bolton, if, if you know we get to some decision by a court that he can testify or we get to the president withdrawing his executive privilege, you know, and we have Bolton testimony, 
there better be Hunter Biden testimony, Joe Biden testimony, whistleblower Eric Charamella testimony, uh, the um, Adam Schiff, the House leader of the original hearing that got us to the impeachment uh, of Donald Trump. We have to, and, and a long list of other people, but the GOP in the Senate had better understand that the American people are going to be livid if they simply, if the GOP just gives in to the Democrat demand for Bolton and then says, okay, fine, we got him. It's either Bolton and everybody that the GOP wants or nobody. That's my first point. Second point, the reason, the very reason that we still have a Republican majority in the U.S. Senate is because the GOP majority stood strong in supporting Justice Kavanaugh as he was nominated to the Supreme Court and became the punching bag for every left-wing crazy in the in his hearings leading up to his confirmation to become a member of the Supreme Court. It was the American people finally seeing the GOP majority in the Senate man up, woman up, man up, and say enough of this crazy out of the Democrats, enough of these lies, enough of these attacks. When the, the GOP voters in this country saw that the GOP in the Senate had the backbone and they went with Kavanaugh and they stood by him and they shut down the Democrat attack mob, the American people stood up and cheered and they kept the Republican majority in the Senate, which leads me to where we are now. We're in 2020. We have elections in November of this year. We're pretty much at the end of January. And we have three senators who are going to allow the Democrats to drag out this impeachment hearing, to drag it out week after week. Trust me, one witness comes along, Bolton will testify to something, and then somebody will say, that didn't happen, that's not what happened. Then you'll have to have another witness, and then another witness, and then more testimony demanded, and then more documents, and then more documents subpoenaed, and then more hearings about whether those documents are discoverable. It will go on for months. Romney, Murkowski, and Collins are playing right into the hands of the Democrats, and it is downright despicable. Downright despicable. And I want to ask one more thing about these three. I, I, people, I am telling you, they all think that somehow in their Washington bubble world that they are being virtuous, they are signaling, their intellect is higher than mere party loyalty, they're somehow you know, uh, blessed with more intellect and more wisdom and, and more fairness than the average Joe Republican senator, so they're going to stand up and they're going to make their case and they're going to stand their ground and they're going to prove to the American people that they're above partisan politics and they are selling the Republican Party. They are siding with the Democrats and they're selling the Republican Party. They're sending the party over the cliff. They are endangering the Republican majority in the Senate. They are enraging, enraging the American people who can see exactly what the Democrats are doing. And yet in their view of themselves and their nose in the air, we are the intellects, we are the superior. They think they're doing something noble. They think they're proving something about themselves. And they're endangering, they're making voters livid and endangering the Republican majority. I just want to add one last third and really big point to just to, just to picture this. So President Trump 
wanted to speak in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is a funny thing. I actually went, I, I've been to Wildwood, New Jersey. I, after college, some friends and I actually went to Wildwood, New Jersey for the summer after graduating, you know, waited tables, had fun, went to the beach, you know, just, just had a fun summer. So I've been to Wildwood. You know, it's not a huge city. New Jersey is a Democrat state. President Trump went to give a rally there and in a stadium that held whatever it was, 17,000 or something like that, they had 120,000 people trying to get tickets in Democrat New Jersey. In rally after rally after rally, President Trump not only fills massive stadiums that Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski couldn't even fill a tenth of them. Romney, Romney could not bring a thousand people to hear him talk about anything. Neither could Murkowski, neither could Collins. President Trump fills massive places with having to put projectors or the television screens outside so people can stand outside in the cold and watch him. This is how popular this president is with the GOP grassroots. What in the world do Murkowski and Collins and Romney think is the outcome of what they're doing? Ask yourself, what is the outcome? Is it possible that they would string us along long enough that maybe they would somehow push other Republicans into voting to impeach the president? Really? And that's not going to happen. You're not going to have two thirds of the Senate move to impeach. All they will do is give the Democrats, whoever their final candidate is, and by the way, again, it's going to be Hillary Clinton, but give the Democrat candidate more headlines, more ammo, more commercial information, more ammo to put out in commercials, on their websites, everywhere. That's what they are doing. They are loading the left with campaign ammo against President Trump. And for what cause? For what reason? The president's not going to be impeached. And on top of that, it's not like there's some massive, hugely popular Republican candidate waiting in the wings who everyone's thinking, well, it's okay if, if you know, Trump goes down, if he's impeached, don't worry, we have, we have nobody. Most Republicans could not even name the other two, whoever these people are, candidates who have actually filed to run in a primary against President Trump. No one even knows these people. They're, they're nobodies. We have no one in the wings. We have President Trump, massively popular, and not just with Republicans. A lot of these rallies, they have information from people who buy tickets, and these people who buy tickets in some rallies, over half of them are not even registered Republicans. We have a president returning this country to the, its strength, its founding, its goodness. We have millions, we have masses, can't wait to turn out to listen to him at rallies. And these three, the treacherous trio, think somehow they are standing on higher ground, standing on principle. They are shooting themselves in the foot. They are hurting the president's reelection campaign. They are giving ammo to the Democrats. And I beg you, voters in those three states, Alaska, Maine, Utah, please find someone better to represent your state in our Senate the next chance you have. These people, it is truly treacherous, outrageous, irresponsible, nothing to be gained except their own egos stroked by their own sense of how important they are, how noble they are, how bigger and better they are than all of these, even other Republican senators who aren't as smart as they are, and all these unwashed masses who for some reason they cannot comprehend love this president. 
These three need to be out of the Senate. I still wish there was something Mitch McConnell could do to them to say, you're going to vote to acquit now. But apparently Mitch McConnell does not have that ability to bring these three into line with what the vast majority of the Republican voters in this country want. Before I turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today, and believe me, the stories we talked about today really, really matter to you, I want to make a plug for two ideas. Two ideas. One is that shows like mine, podcasts, shows that are out there speaking the truth about America, speaking the truth about the Israeli peace plan and the national security and immigration and our military strength, the stories we talk about in the show, these stories are vital for people in America to understand. Shows like mine, unfiltered and unfettered by left-wing media, are doing a wonderful service, not just me personally, but shows like mine doing a service, bringing truth to America. If you love this show, and I hope you do, I, I thank you for all the amazing emails I get, and you're welcome to email me, AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. I urge you to consider doing two things. One, go to my website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, hit subscribe, subscribe to my once weekly newsletter, comes out on Fridays, gives links to every show topic we had during the week. It's a great way to catch up on the show on Friday or over the weekend. And it's a great way to share the show. Please do that. And second, understand this show is being censored and interfered with by social media. I can see things that are happening to our show because the left-wing conglomerate that runs social media, the Googles, the YouTubes, all of these characters do not want the conservative message to be spread. If you value what I'm saying, please consider supporting the show. You can support the show by making a one-time donation or a recurring donation, again, at my website, americacanwetalk.org. On the very homepage, hit donate, make a contribution. The contributions you send to me, I will use for marketing techniques that will allow the show to keep on growing, and it is growing, by the way, it's doing great. Will allow the show to keep on growing, in ways the social media big tech censors cannot stop. That's why I need your help. I would so appreciate it if you can support this show. And also, any way you can support the show on social media is deeply appreciated. Like the page, share the page, follow me on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. Everything you can do helps this show to grow. And now, I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. To start the show today, we talked about the story of the Palestinians and Israel. Uh, basic truths must be understood before evaluating any plan, including President Trump's plan. There is no such thing as a Palestinian people as an ethnic or historic group. There are people who live in an area the Brits tagged as Palestine when they were working on the Middle East map. And the Romans named the land for the Philistines after driving the Jews out of Jerusalem in 135 AD after the Jews had been there for thousands of years. The Gaza rioters and the rocket launchers, the so-called Palestinians, are jihadists. Jihadists are carrying out Quran-authorized killing of Jews. They're not content with anything less than extermination of Jews and the Jewish state. So long as 
Palestinian authorities are beholden to jihadists, there will never be peace. Two states will never work if one state is committed to the extermination of the other. Trump deserves credit for leading and demanding demilitarization of Hamas, but very unlikely to lead to a peaceful two-state solution. And the GOP treacherous trio and impeachment. Prolonging of the Senate trial is a Democrat's goal. Keeping the story alive in the mainstream media, using drip, drip, drip of innuendo and rumor to make Trump look bad. The rhino grandstanders, Collins, Murkowski, and Romney are playing right into Democrat hands. Romney's vindictiveness toward Trump has revealed him as so petty, he either doesn't know or doesn't care. He is a small man. There are no witnesses to a presidential crime because there is no crime. Biden's corruption in the Ukraine is deep and broad and obvious. Trump should have required investigation of Biden's corruption in the Ukraine. Americans should want Biden's corruption in the Ukraine exposed. But no investigation took place and Ukraine got the aid. So the House impeachment and the Senate trial are a farce. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to this show, America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America. Can you hear